0: You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad, and this year marks a very special year for the British Isles Family History Society of Greater Ottawa, because they are celebrating their 25th annual history, family history conference, and that takes place at the end of this month, September 27th to 29th, in the Ben Franklin. Franklin Place, City of Ottawa, uh, 101 Centrepoint Drive, and registration is still open for that at bifhsgo.ca. and as is the pattern at all of the conferences, Bifisco brings in experts in a variety of fields, And this year, one of the ladies that is coming in who is an expert genealogist is Nancy Lowe. And after a long career in libraries and archives, Nancy now writes at Sassy Jane Genealogy. And she lectures frequently at U.S. and international genealogy conferences and her specializations, organizing research and U.S. and European records. And I must say, organizing research in itself would be a task. Nancy, thanks a million for agreeing to come along for a chat.
1: That's wonderful to be here,
0: so let's organizing research um that's nearly a personality issue. <laughs>
1: um, I think it's something that um most of the genealogists that I talk to and I talk to many of them um are usually are are um a bit at sea when it comes to something like this. I think we do a great job of teaching people how to find records. But once you have them and you own them yourself, it can be a challenge to keep them organized so that you can find them again when you need them.
0: Ah, so now I'm I'm catching on because I I guess I have always operated on the basis that I try to um, identify my files by date. So like if I came across a relative that was born on the uh, 1st of January in 1863, I would title my file 186301 um, 01, and then put a name after it so I figure chronologically has been a good way for me to try to keep track.
1: Well one of the things that I always teach is that if you have a system that is working for you you should stick with it um, but for those people who again are a bit um, overwhelmed Um, they've been fortunate enough to find some really great records about their ancestors, but then when they need them again, they can't find them. So um, some of my presentations provide a structure so that you can organize your own research and be able to retrieve it on demand.
0: So while you spent a long career in libraries and archives, what brought you towards genealogy?
1: Well, I think they go hand in hand. Um, One of the things that uh, I knew I would miss when I left the university was uh, being in touch with primary sources, with documents that have been created in the past. And um, because I had been working on my own family history, helping some friends, I realized that this was a perfect second career uh, because I'd still be able to access those wonderful original documents and I'd be helping people at the same time so it's in a way it's just an extension of my original career
0: so where you focus on US and European records there must be tremendous diversity in availability of records from uh, state to state even from uh, what might <coughs> excuse me what might be county to county within the US and then when you get to Europe uh, that there would be great divergence in how records were kept and recorded, kept, maintained uh, in various European countries also.
1: That's an excellent point. Um, And the thing I would say is if this were, if genealogy were an easy thing um, to do, it wouldn't be fun. So, yes, it gets complicated. Um, There's kind of a a chain of events. First of all, was a record even created in the first place. And usually it had to be mandated by law. Um, for one to be created. So, for example, if um, we have immigrants from Europe to Canada and the, and the colonies at the time, um, there aren't a lot of passenger lists for that time period. But as you progress through history and you get to the turn of the 20th century, the records are great. So first, you know, was that record required to be created? And then secondly, has that record persisted over time? Does it still exist? Uh, Were records destroyed in fires, uh, wars, um, other people who tossed things out because they didn't understand um, the meaning of the records? Um, And then if that happens, there are usually other sets of records that you can use to fill in those blanks. Um, And then thirdly, even if the records exist today, have they been digitized, have they been indexed or arranged in some way that makes them intellectually accessible, Um, and so all of those can be big challenges, um, but it's astounding to me, and I've been doing this for almost 40 years now, um, how digitization and the Internet has opened up a world of research and records for everyone. I think it's great.
0: puzzles me and amazes me is that there are some people and they're actually able to trace their lineage going back over a thousand years um, and even 1500 years and uh, I'm having difficulty getting beyond the early 1800s um, but I am always puzzled how somebody can make it back that far and they are able to trace a line directly back to some individual at some point in time
1: well, I tend to look at those kinds of um, charts and research with a grain of salt. And um, while I'm sure the genealogists who believe they have gone that far back are very earnest and and have faith, um, I think too often when you see research like that, it's someone who has decided they're related to someone famous, because quite frankly, before, let's say, 1500, 1550, there just aren't a lot of records unless you were a prominent person. Um, So in order to be able to do that, you have to be related to royalty or um, politicians, conquerors. um, And and while that's definitely possible, I just... um, I wonder. <laughs>
0: so so
1: I can I can feel I'm trying somewhat, to be polite.
0: <laughs> I can feel somewhat reassured that making it back to the early eighteen hundreds I'm not doing too bad.
1: Well, especially with Irish records, because it's just when you look at um uh, oh. the whole history of the country and um, the way that records either were prevented from being created in the first place or Were destroyed. It's very, very difficult. So I commend you, frankly, if you're all the way to the early 18th century. That's great.
0: So, Nancy, then, as I mentioned, like different states um, or different counties within states, different countries in Europe, as you say, legislation may have been the determining factor as regards how well something was recorded and uh, the records were kept. Have you found that any particular country? Uh, or any particular area in the United States was um, ahead of its time back hundreds of years ago in how they recorded and and stored?
1: Well, I think we can always look to the Germans for um, efficient record keeping. So I would have to say uh, those records are fairly um, substantial. Um, And the Nordic countries, uh, I do quite a bit of research there. And they had something called household examinations where the local Lutheran uh, pastor would come and visit every year. His purpose was to see if you could recite the catechism or um, check on your spiritual well-being. But for us, 200 years later, it's a wonderful set of records that really mimic a census because they note quite meticulously every member of the uh, household, and then every year, any changes. And if they move, they note which parish they move to. So it's a wonderful set of records. Someone died, they note that. If someone gets married and, and moves to another parish, that gets noted. So those are uh, amazingly complete records. Um, I would say the other one that I really enjoy working with is Scotland. They've done just an amazing job of digitizing uh, records, of preserving um, the essentials, things like census, things like birth, marriage, and death, church records, very complete. Um, And so if you showed me records in Scotland that went back to, say, 1600, I would believe you.
0: This, of course, raises the ongoing question that we are dealing with in this day and age, where Issues of privacy and all this come up. And it gets lost on a lot of people about the real value of detailed information when it comes to census data. And I know here in Canada that uh, a few years back there was a a move by government to minimize the census gathering. And it may all appear to be nice and efficient in the modern day, but 100 years from now or 200 years from now, those are the people who are effectively going to suffer.
1: That's right. That's absolutely right. I was disappointed, frankly, as an adult when it was time for me to uh, respond to the census taker. And it was like, don't you want to know where I was born? Don't you want to know you know, when I moved here? Um, so, yes, I think in the name of privacy, there's very minimal information gathered. And that will be um, sad, frankly, when people are doing research 100 or 200 years from now.
0: The other change I would think that has happened is that um, traditionally people were buried or when cremation became more common, their ashes were probably put in a centralised place. Uh, Nowadays there's people and they will either be be cremated and have their dust scattered or a variety of other things. So people's own um, attitudes will have a longer-term impact also.
1: I think that's true, but I still think there will be records to support what happened. Um, When you look into, especially uh, countries in Europe, where there was not a tradition of keeping an individual gravesite, they would tend to bury people lower and put other people on top because land was in short supply. Um, I discovered this in my own family, my Austrian great-grandfather who died in Chicago at a young age, and the family was so poor, they rented a grave for him in a Catholic cemetery, and when they couldn't come up with the full price at the end of the term, they just buried him lower, and they put someone else entirely on top. So uh, fortunately, there were enough records for me to determine I was able to go there, um, but It's a completely unrelated person who has the headstone and the marker. So cemetery records can be complex, too.
0: Indeed. So, Nancy, we don't want to take away your thunder, and I'm sure uh, the record keeping as you say it's such an integral part of anything to do and yet there's this enthusiasm when you start doing your research to just uh, grab a pencil a piece of paper and start writing things down without like everything else saying I need to approach this in a logical orderly fashion from the first step I take so um, I'm I'm sure as I plan on being there and look forward to hearing your full presentation. And I want to thank you for taking the time and sharing with us today.
1: Thank you. It was a delight to talk to you, and I look forward to meeting you in just a few weeks.